Fitna.fm recently had the opportunity to be part of the Women's Wellness Expo hosted by OG Fitness and Around My Town. We are featuring excerpts of health and wellness presentations here on the Nona Voices podcast. This is Dr. Khan and Lorena Trong from OneMed in Lake Nona. A word of caution, this is a frank discussion about women's health issues. Parental guidance is suggested. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Dr. Khan. I am a family medicine. I'm a family medicine physician and owner of OneMed. OneMed was opened two years ago almost two years ago. Uh, we are in Lake Nona and we offer primary care services and psychiatry services and just recently expanded to include uh, therapy services and we have our two lovely therapists here today, Miss um, Lorena Trong and Miss Jenna Rogerson. We uh, focus on delivering quality of care um, and treating our patients from head to toe, mind and body. So that's kind of what we're about. Uh, Kayla invited me to here today to speak, and of course I took the opportunity because I'm a big advocate for women's health. Um, but today, I'm going to play a game with you guys. So I'm going to ask questions. There's going to be seven questions, and you guys shout out answers, just two answers. You say common or uncommon, okay? Um, our topic today is uh, discussing common and uncommon conditions in uh, women's health. So first one, first topic, first question. Heart disease is common or uncommon in women? Common. common. You say uncommon. So the crowd's vote is common. That is correct. Heart disease is common in women. It is the number one leading cause of death uh, in the United States for women. Risk factors are similar to men uh, and include uh, smoking, hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and um, diabetes are all major risk factors. However, we're women and we have estrogen. So estrogen is believed to be protective against heart disease. So we find that women, when they do develop heart disease, tend to be a little bit later in life, at around age 50, when our estrogen levels decline and we enter menopause. So we have that bit of an advantage over men because they typically develop it about a decade before we do. Um, Interestingly, while it's a common condition in us, we, you, we, you, we can present with uncommon symptoms. So take, for example, heart attack. We can have the typical chest pain symptoms, but we present more so with atypical uh, symptoms like jaw pain, neck pain, back pain, nausea, and vomiting. So things to keep in mind. Um, the good news is while it's a common condition, you can work with your doctor, your primary care doctor, your primary care physician or provider, and uh, risk stratify, lower your risk through preventative screenings with annual visits and other visits throughout the year. All right, second question, second topic. Are strokes common or uncommon in women? Common. Uncommon? So how many say uncommon? How many say common? Looks like more common, that's correct. Stroke is more common in women in the United States. The lifetime risk of stroke for women is much greater than men in the United States. Like men, again, we have similar risk factors, but women have uh, specific risk factors that men don't have. For one, we get pregnant. When we're pregnant, there's an increased risk for stroke. 
In our reproductive years, you may be on birth control at some point for many different reasons. Being on birth control will increase your risk for a stroke. When we get older and enter menopause, we may be on hormone replacement therapy. And being on hormone replacement therapy can increase risk of stroke. Uh, women tend to be more afflicted with migraines, specifically migraine with aura, which has been shown to be connected with increased risk of stroke. Women outlive men. And because we outlive men, on average, <laughs> the one man in the audience, two men in the audience are looking at me. On average, we outlive men. So because we're living longer, there's going to be more of a risk for developing stroke as we age. Um, yes? That could be it, that too. Could be yeah, that could be Because of all of these risk factors, it's important to maintain those regular visits with your doctor to monitor the risk factors that you can't control, but work on, again, risk stratification and lowering your risk for the risk factors that you can control. Topic number three. Question number three. STDs are more common or uncommon in women? Are there children here? Oh, sorry, sorry. You may want to cover their ears. Uncommon. Anybody else? Common. Hands for common. Hands for uncommon. It's about even. So STDs are more common in women. Um, biologically, we're at a disadvantage. Our um, vaginal wall uh, is made up of thinner um, membrane lining. Uh, vulva is made up of thinner membrane lining in comparison to the skin on a male's penis. I'm so sorry. Because um, <laughs> the children are there. So, uh, so because of that, if a woman comes in counter with bodily fluid that is infected, there's more of a likelihood that it will um, transfer to the woman. Um, women, again, they, uh, at, in their reproductive ages, may be on birth control at some stage in their life. Couples like to engage in activity thinking birth control is protective, and it is against unwanted pregnancy and um, unplanned pregnancy, but it does not protect against STDs. Women also, not only are we uh, more likely to uh, get STDs, but we are more likely to have complications from STDs. For example, gonorrhea and chlamydia. Uh, these infections oftentimes can have little to no symptoms, and when they do have symptoms, it's similar to things like yeast infections. So these things go overlooked, untreated, and untreated gonorrhea and chlamydia can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease, which can in turn lead to infertility issues down the road. Okay, uh, the bottom line here is you've got to. Uh, Prevent. You got to work on prevention skills. Uh, when you have uh, new partners, you want to sit down and talk about your uh, history, sexual history. Um, get tested before you engage in activity um, and throughout your lifetime, depending on your sexual habits. Uh, talk to your doctor about learning more about barrier protection methods. Birth control is great, but in conjunction with barrier protection methods, um, will be most effective. And also bear in mind, um, again, I'm sorry, um, not all condoms are created equal. 
So I'll just leave it at that. Talk to your doctor, your primary care provider about uh, different options of, um, of uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, we'll go to the next uh, question. Um, autoimmune diseases are more common or uncommon in women? Common, yes. Autoimmune disease is more common in women. Um, auto, an autoimmune state is a state uh, Dr. Brasillo talked about a little bit earlier today. Um, it's a state where your immune system is overactive and is attacking your healthy tissue and cells. Um, the tissue and the cells that make up those organs, now those organs are not functioning well. Um, there are several different types of autoimmune diseases. Most commonly, you might have heard of uh, type 1 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, um, Hashimoto's thyroid uh, disease, um, and many, many more. The individuals that are afflicted by autoimmune disease, 75% of people with autoimmune disease are women. 75% are women. Um, unfortunately, there's no guaranteed way to prevent autoimmune disease from happening. But you can work with your doctor or a healthcare provider about learning ways to improve your immune system, keeping your immune system healthy, um, dieting, and uh, uh, yoga, and all these other modalities to, to keep healthy. All right. Number five, UTIs are more common or uncommon in women? More common, yes. UTIs are more common in women. So when we talk about UTIs, we're mostly talking about bladder and urethra, the lower part of the urinary tract. Um, uh, anatomically, women uh, urethra, which is the part of the body that transfers urine from the bladder to outside of the body, our urethras are shorter. Um, and it's closer in proximity to our anus. So because of our anatomy, that puts us more at risk for uh, bacteria uh, transferring from your anus to your urethra and up that short urethra into your bladder and causing infection. In comparison to men, they don't really have this problem very often. Um, women get pregnant again. In pregnancy, there's more chances for urinary tract infections. Uh, women tend to get more urinary tract infections with sexual intercourse than men do. Certain birth control methods can increase risk of urinary tract infections in women. The bottom line is you gotta reduce your risk. Things to do to reduce your risk is proper hygiene, proper wiping techniques, wipe front to back every single time. Um, empty your bladder after sex. Um, drink lots of water to keep your urine nice and dilute. And then talk to your doctor, primary care provider, again, about birth control options and whether this could be contributing to problems like urinary tract infection if this is something that you uh, battle often. Number six, osteoporosis is more common or uncommon in women? Common, yes. Osteoporosis is common in women. Normally, our bones undergo processes of uh, breaking down bone and rebuilding bone. Osteoporosis is a gradual disease where the rebuilding process of bone is slowed down. Um, when this happens, the bones become less dense, becoming weaker, and prone to more fracture. 80% uh, of people with osteoporosis are women. 
Estrogen does have protective effects on the density of bone, so we see problems with osteoporosis when we enter menopause because our estrogen levels decline. Um, and we get less, uh, less dense bone, more weaker bones, and more risk for falls, uh, fractures when we fall when we're older. Uh, ways to prevent this. Have a conversation with your primary care doctor. Talk about whether you're getting enough calcium in your diet, enough vitamin D in your diet. Um, uh, engage in weight-bearing uh, exercises. And then follow advice about screening uh, for bone density testing throughout um, later in life. Okay, last question and my favorite topic. What is broken heart syndrome and is it common or uncommon? You know what broken heart syndrome is? Okay, do you know? Okay, so two comments? Okay, uh, it's both. Broken heart syndrome is an uncommon condition that can happen in the heart. And when it does happen, it more so often happens in women. Um, so what is broken heart syndrome? Broken heart syndrome is also called uh, Takasobu cardiomyopathy. It's a condition that is induced by extreme stress, whether it's an emotional stress or physical stress. Um, the exact mechanism is not well understood, but it's presumed to be uh, related to an extreme stressful response that at the physiological level changes the blood flow around the heart and the um, muscle function of the heart, which overall reduces the um, pumping capacity of your heart. This results in symptoms like heart attack. But unlike heart attack, it's not permanent. It's temporary and typically can resolve in weeks to months. So the key point here and the bottom line is stress. Stress can induce real physical symptoms, real conditions, whether it's temporary or not. Um, and when you think about, uh, I think Dr. Roxio uh, touched on this, at the core of many conditions, many problems, is stress. Now, bear in mind, some degree of stress is not bad. Um, we're talking uh, bits and pieces of stress, bursts, uh, mild bursts of stress, small bursts of stress, can be a positive thing in the sense that it drives you to reach goals. But too much stress or chronic stress where it's going on every day, every day for a long period of time, can have a negative impact on your health. Stress eval uh, evaluation and reduction needs to be an integral part of the conversation you have with your primary care doctors at, uh, and your healthcare team at every single visit. So with that being said, I'm gonna transfer it over to Lorena. Hello, okay, there we go. Oh my God, that's very loud. Well, hello everybody, my name is Lorena. I'm actually one of the mental health therapists at OneMed. Um, First, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking time today just to sit here and listen to all of us women coming up here and talking about different topics that affect us every day. And part of my role is talk about mental health. It's all very much related with every single person that had spoken before me. And this week, it happened to have been, um, you know, the topic related surrounding anxiety. How many here can tell me from the hands that they feel comfortable that they have suffered anxiety at some point in their lives. Okay, so anxiety looks different for everybody, right? Not everybody um, 
you know, goes around life and says, I'm an anxious person. I have like this thing of like, I am nervous, you know? No, it's I fake it till I make it. I look good. You know, we're constantly as women, we're constantly on this drive. We keep going and we keep going and we keep going and we keep going. We don't stop. There's no stopping from the moment you open your eyes, whether you're a mom, whether you are a business owner, whether you are a child who have to go for testing today, you know, and the anxiety and the way society is built and how we all just create all these stressors, outside stressors, you know, that are affecting us every day and how we cope with it and how we do support each other and how do we manage these feelings. You know, mental health has been such a taboo for so many years. It's been, oh, you're going to go see a psychiatrist? You must be crazy. Something must be very wrong with you because you are looking for a psychiatry help. You don't need to go talk to no mental health therapist. You don't need a therapist. I can be your therapist. Everybody in our lives has an opinion. And you know that from any point in your life, from, hey, you look skinny today. Oh, you gained some weight today. You know, oh, you look good today. Oh, you don't look so good today. All these things affect us right? With COVID, all of that has changed. We were put in a box for a very long time. We had to live with family members we probably didn't want to see every day, but we had to deal with it. The good, the bad, and the ugly has come out of COVID. Many bad things. We have lost so many people to COVID, but so many good things have also come from COVID. It has given us the sense of, you know what, prioritize our health, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, I've never seen people so, work out so much. The gyms were barricaded. You go to Target some days to go find a weight and you couldn't find a weight because everybody was trying to just keep sane. And we're seeing an influx now. We see an influx of women, men coming to seek for help. The point of therapy is not for you to you know, feel like there's something wrong with you. I think there's something wrong with all of us. We all have a little bit of crazy in our lives. We all suffer a little something. There's no such a perfect person out there. All our flaws, the same way as our strengths, come together to make us of who we are today. Each person sitting here has a different journey. They have their own stories to tell. And we find ourselves that we're constantly judging each other. We constantly look at each other and say, you know, I'm going to put you as an example. You're a single mom. Oh, I'm so sorry you're a single mom. When in all of your understanding, all she needs is... What can I help you with today? Let me pick up this lack after you. All these anxieties that we're dealing, it looks different for everybody. And I don't think I need to go into the symptoms and feelings of society because we all know it. We all know we're going to feel like crap. We're constantly jittering. It's a sense of overwhelmness. We know that these are things, physical manifestations that happen in your body. But there's different anxiety, just like everything else. There's not one fit all. There's generalized anxiety. That just means that you have stresses in your life, whether it's you're worried about bills, whether you're worried about what, how you're going to put food in the table the next day, how you're going to get the kids the following day to school. It could be any of things, just day-to-day -day life. Panic disorders. We can get into that towards a little bit later, but social phobia. COVID has brought social phobia as an anxiety as one of its peaks. And the reason why is because we were put in a box. We were put in our homes. We needed to live in our houses. That's where we lived and that's where we breathe and everything. Stepping out, I've seen people that cannot even step into this very much day into a grocery store because it's so much for them. It is almost unbearable. And there's nobody to say, you know what, I understand. And there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is feeling bad for somebody. And empathy is saying, I don't understand what you're going through. 
but I will. I can only imagine how hard this is for you. And nobody has gotten out of their boxes and saying, let me help my neighbor. Let me hold my neighbor because I know she's struggling or he's struggling to make things easier for each other. It's easier to point fingers. So now what happens? Our bodies shut down. We feel like we need to do this alone. Then the anxiety kicks in, and it's an ongoing thing. The anxiety develops to depression. Depression develops to many other things. Then it starts displaying in our own bodies. Where do we end? When Hello? Okay. Oh, sorry. So, you know, and then there's the OCD. You could have developed OCD through your anxiety. PTSD. PTSD doesn't mean you have to have gone through Afghanistan. And if there's any veterans here, thank you for your service. But it could have been you just gave birth. The trauma of giving birth. The trauma of having a young girl losing their mother. The, an older person having to bury your mom. A, a mom having to bury their child. Dealing with cancer. Dealing with real sucky stuff that happened in life. That's trauma. And nobody, as women, we are the worst ones. You've said it yourself. We never put ourselves first. We give to everybody. So all this starts early in life. Anxiety can develop at any point in your life. And in women, we are twice likely to develop anxiety at some point in our lifetime. And then what happens when we don't deal with it? Just like everything else, we're very good at cupping things in. Problems, here, check, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Problem, boop, check, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Then you don't deal with the problem, underlying problems. And then there's panic attacks. That panic disorder I was about to talk about. You know what it feels like when you have a panic attack? You get on a roller coaster, you buckled up, and you're on the peak, and you're like, uh-oh, I don't like this. I, I need to get off of it. I feel like I'm going to faint. I feel I'm going to have a heart attack. I, there's, no getting off of the there's no getting off of a roller coaster once you're on. You've got to wait until you're at the very end. And that's very hard for anybody to deal with. And that's such a private thing. Mental health is a private thing, but it shouldn't be. Because at the end of the day, the only way that we're ever able, going to be able to get better, do better, is by supporting each other. It's by understanding and talking. Therapy, it's not meant to be, at least we try to make it, where you come, it's a safe space. Things that I will never judge you. Those walls are those walls. Those walls have no judgment because we want to be able to give you that space to just speak, to be. You want to cry, we cry. We want to dance, we dance. You want to party, we party. Whatever that you bring to the table. Because at the end of the day, as women, we need to empower each other and love each other enough to say, today is not a good day. Call things for what they are. We need to stop masking things. And from there, you know what? Support each other. Give each other that grace period that today might not be a good day, but tomorrow it's going to be better. Because the more we bottle things in, the more our brains continue to just spin and spin and spin. And that is what mental health is about. And it starts with us. It starts with teaching our kids that, you know what, not every day is going to be a good day, kid. You know, it's not going to be a good day for you today, but tomorrow is going to be better. That it starts with the manners that we teach our children early on and be acceptance. doesn't matter where you come from, what background you come from, the kid next to you, the family comes next to you. We're not better than one another. We all come from differences, and our journeys make us unique to who we are. And that is that mental load as parents, as women. And it starts early, like I said. 
Imagine a teenager. They also deal with anxiety, the puberty, the hormones. Oh, those are my favorite ones to sit down to talk to. Because I'm like, you know it all? No, girl, you don't know nothing. <laughs> you know, no, sir, no, you don't know nothing. But you got to give them the space and understand that, unfortunately, they're going to fall. And once they fall, they're going to have to figure it up. Because failure is not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's the only way. There's only one way from failure, and it's going up. And all of us here must understand that once we fall, it's all about how we pick, our, pick up ourselves, like pick ourselves up in the process. And every time you fall, it's easier to bring yourself back up. And the same thing, perinatal, that's postpartum depression. It's word and it's out there, but nobody has ever talked about postpartum anxiety. That's a real life thing. The emotions that a woman goes through, the hormonal imbalances that start from puberty and on, it's madness. Some days you're just like, I feel like I'm going absolutely crazy. You know, and it's not that you're going crazy. It's your body physically changing the life factors and what life throws at us. It's very troubling. And then from there, you go through life and then you're settled. You know, you're about to retire life. That's the great life. And then there's an identity crisis. Who am I? Because I bear children or whether you didn't. I mean, it's up, if you never had kids, that's fine too. There's no, there's no wrong here because everybody's life is their own lives. But then there's a sense of, did I do this right? Did I not do this right? Then the anxiety kicks in. Because I see women from all spectrums in life. Beautiful things. And my, my always says this, there's always something beautiful about you. You wouldn't be in this world if you didn't bring something to the table. So what does that look like? And let's deal with the crappy emotions of it because the crappy emotion of it is what's going to push you to be the best version of yourself. So I'm going to end just by doing one last exercise. And I want everybody to close their eyes. And I want you to think, I want you to find either a feeling or a thought, whether it's negative or positive. And I want you to, I'm going to give you about 20 seconds to filter and think about that thought and, and give it something. If it's a bad thought and bad energy, curse at it, say what you need to do with it, give it to it. If it's something that's positive, I want you to foster the good out of the thought or whatever brings you joy. And I just want you to take this time to be able to think about it, embrace the feeling, and once you're done with it, I want you to let it go. And I want you to take a deep breath in as much as you can. And I'm going to go five, four, three, two, one. And I want you to tell yourself that you deserve to be loved. You deserve to be cared for and you deserve to always be at peace with yourself. Thank you.